we have exciting news. If you were in church yesterday um, here with us, um, you, you've heard it already. If you weren't, um, I just want to publicly shame you. You should be in church on a Sunday morning up here. So, um, but, but we announced finally our men's house, which is, which is live free, um, and um, we're excited about that. And so um, just to kind of let you know what it is, one, it is a completely separate organization from Cedar Point um, that um, is ran by our recovery team here. And, and what we're endeavoring to do is to reach those that, that are far from God, um, to minister to men and, and just to, to love on them and to journey with them. And so we, we have a 12-man house that we've began just to operate. Um, and so we're, we're incredibly excited about that. Um, it's, been, it's been over two years in the making um, for me personally. It goes back further than that. As Pastor Rick, it, it, it was a part of the original vision here at the church. And so people have been praying about this for, for a long time. And as uh, my wife and I came in here to, to leadership and just things that, that it opened up with the team, with uh, Jill and Caleb Spider, we had just the opportunity to begin to move in that direction um, and to cre- create this, this ministry and, and this work. And, and we're so excited for it. Um, and it's been just a long time coming, and, and so here we are. And so um, tonight's message, it, it's titled Notoriously Free, and there's a couple things I want to do. One, I want to kind of share the vision of what we're doing, and I want to let you in on a little secret. The vision of what we're doing is what happened in my life. You know, when I came into the church, I was broken, um, and I know many of you know my story, but um, the first few times I came here, I was, I was intoxicated. I was drunk in the back, um, messed up from a weekend of, of God knows what, and, and my life was a wreck. But there was things that I found here. There was things that God did in my life that, that I wasn't even looking for. <laughs> it's, it's wild to me to even look back. You know, I showed up for my kids. I wanted to give my kids a different life. I was fine. I wasn't worried about me, but them, right? And, and God really began to straighten me out on that one. And, and then I had a, a huge motivation for money. I was running a business. The church was buying my things. And so I kept showing up here because I was afraid if I stopped attending, they would stop buying stuff from me. And, and I really didn't want that to happen. And so over time, I accidentally found what we share in our home, um, and, and it's what we try to do here as well. So these things overlap. The vision of the church and the vision of the house are the same because our needs are the same. And you may be in a spot where you need, man, to journey very intentionally with people for a period of time, but... I have news for you. Those people that need that are no different from you in our needs, right? We all need the same thing. We all need discipleship. We all need community. We all need to know what our purpose is and to begin to utilize it. And so tonight's message for some of us will be a reminder. For some, it may be an encouragement. Hopefully to others, it's eye-opening. Hopefully it awakens you to what God has for you and what we try to do here intentionally week after week. And so we want to just talk about the freedom that God has for us. I see so many people inside the church even, and it breaks my heart that, that are trapped in addiction, that are, that are trapped in lies, that, that year after year can't seem to break free. And I was one of them. I mean, I showed up here for over half a decade and you wouldn't know it by any of my actions Monday through Saturday. Sunday, man, I was solid. I was a solid dude on, on Sunday morning. Um, but after that, I wasn't. It was because I didn't understand really what Jesus had come to do, right? There, there's so much that he came to do. And for so long, I thought it just had to do with eternity. But um, the reality is it had to do with, with now too and, and setting us free from the sin nature, you know, our flesh, those desires, and, and to do a work in us and to call and equip us to something greater. And so as we open up tonight, I want to open up with one of my favorite stories. And it's, it's Matthew chapter 2, and it's where, or not Matthew, Mark chapter 2, 
um, where Jesus calls um, Simon, who, who later became uh, Matthew. And it's, it's so significant to me because I see so much of myself in him because he was a tax collector. Um, and not that I was a tax collector, I was more of a tax evader. Um, but <clears throat> the, the thing was that of the time that... Um, Tax collectors were looked down upon. They were considered to be thieves. Um, they weren't welcomed in communities. If, if you were to become a tax collector, your family wouldn't want anything to do with you because you betrayed your people. Um, you betrayed your country. You were all of these things that, that were unwanted and, and you were just kind of just the scum of society. And me and my brokenness, I relate to that. Um, but more importantly, I relate to what Jesus begins to do in his life. And so, again, Mark um, chapter 2, you know, Mark is part of our Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books tell the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so here we have Mark um, chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi. Sorry, I said Simon earlier. It's been a long day. Like I said, all those energy drinks, man, just mess with my head. <laughs> Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at um, his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. So here you have this broken man, this sinner, this person who's unwanted, and Jesus sees him and calls him to follow him. And, and what's really crazy about that is the people that were following Jesus, his disciples already, they would have wanted him to be around. Again, he was like the worst of the worst, the bottom rung of the ladder. He was awful. And here Jesus is saying, you, in all of your brokenness, in all of your mess, come to me. And what I love about that is for so long, I thought my, my mess and my life made me un, unwanted you know, by God, that, that God wouldn't want to deal with me. And some of that was perpetuated by churches that I encountered, right? Where they would say, hey, listen, you need to take a bath before you take a shower. You can't, and that's metaphorically, of course, but your life's too much of a wreck. You can't be here. You can't do that. You need to, you need to fix things. And not that all churches are that way, but some are, right? And we encounter those. And then some people are that way, right? And they're just like, you need need to be over here until you get it together. And so I had that picture of that. That must be how God is. But, but when we look at the gospel, when we look at the scripture, that's not at all how God approaches broken people. He says, you, right there. He, he's in his tax collector's booth. You couldn't be more in the middle of the sin. And, and God's saying, right there. That, that's got to be significant, right? Think about you in your lowest moment, because this is a low moment for him, whether he knows it or not. And maybe it's in the trap house, and God's saying, you, come follow me. Maybe it's in the middle of an adulterous situation, and he's saying, you, come follow me. Maybe it's in the middle of you judging the people around you or looking down upon them, and God's still saying, you, come follow me. Soften your heart to my call, to my word, to, your, to the plan and the purpose I have for you. And he says, come follow me. And at once, Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love disreputable sinners. Anybody in here ever been a disreputable sinner? I mean, it was like, I love, there's a part in Luke. It's actually Luke 15. It says, it's a different story, but it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners 
often came to listen to Jesus. And so we're talking about people known for messing up, known for their sin. And I look back at my life not so long ago, and, and that's what I was known for. When I came to this community, I wasn't born here or raised here. I was raised down the street around Tulsa. And when I came here, I came with a reputation and people knew me for something. I, I dealt drugs, I got high, I, I did all these things that, that were just um, wildly in contrast to where I am today. And I was known for it, right? Uh, police officers knew me for it. People knew me for it, uh, both sides of it. And, and that, was, that was my reputation. I was, I was notorious for it. And these people are notorious for it, but, but they're found with Jesus. And it says, so later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. This next part, there were many, say many. Many, many people of this kind among Jesus's followers. Because Jesus came for the broken, right? For the sick. And, and he continues and it says, but when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And maybe you, you've heard that. Maybe you've encountered that. Maybe you're in here and you've, you've been the Pharisee and the person that looked down on this situation, but they begin to question, why would Jesus want to sit and eat and, and have community and fellowship with such people. And it goes on, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call, not those who think they're righteous, but those who think they're sinners. And I love that one part, I've come to call. It wasn't I've come to eat with, I've come to fellowship with, I mean, and those things were true, right? But there's more to that. I've come to call that, that you in this room, because that's all of us, in God's sight, we all fall into that, that notorious sinner, right? That scum, I mean, that, that's who we, we were until Jesus began to impact our life. And, and, and right there, he says, I've come to call. There's, there's a call on your life. And the call is not to be stuck in slavery to sin. It's, it's not to be stuck in, in your mess for, for eternity. It's, it's not that. It, it's a call to something greater. That, that for them, it was to go from notorious sinner to, to notoriously free. That's the call that, that I had too. That, that today, when I impact people, and some people in this room knew me back then. And, and, they, and their, 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 their eyes are like, who the heck is this guy, right? Because I'm not known for that anymore. And now I'm known as, as pastor. Now I'm known as friend. Now I'm known as, as sober, as father. All of these things, no longer known to that. And it's not because I've done anything. It's because I encountered somebody who changed it all. And so when we look at our lives, when we look at what God's come to do, it's, he's come to impact us in such a significant way that it changes our story forever. That that's no longer me and it's no longer you. That when you're encountered by Jesus, when you submit to him and allow him to work in you in a significant way, he changes your story forever. And I love that. Notoriously free. That, that's, that's who I've come to be. That, that's the label that, that I've come to know. And it's the vision of the house. It's the vision of the church. It's the vision of this ministry is to begin to shift people's point of view. And you know the hardest point of view to shift? Your own. Your own lean into it. Stop letting the enemy lie to you. As you've come into relationship with Jesus, you don't have to be stuck in it anymore. And that's why so much of the church is still trapped in their sin and can't get past it. And they're stuck in those cycles because they don't realize that, that Jesus has already settled it. He's already changed your story. He's already impacted you. You no longer have to wear those labels. Open your eyes. And when you open your eyes... You begin to walk it out. You begin to walk it out. People begin to see it. I didn't wait for anybody to tell me my life had been changed. Jesus already did it. 
And I just followed it. And you can do the same, right? We can become notoriously free. And so, sorry, he get a little ahead of me. No. Um, and so it says, but again, when Jesus heard this, he told them healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so point number one tonight is this, that true discipleship, it leads to freedom. A true, true discipleship, a true disciplined following of Jesus leads to freedom. Sunday morning church does not lead to freedom. All right. The fish sticker on the back of the minivan does not lead to freedom. The Jesus tattoo doesn't lead to freedom. The, 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 the crucifix around the neck, I'm, I'm bagging on Dustin a little bit and he knows it. Um, it's an awesome tattoo. I love it, brother. Um, but, but those things don't, right? That, that doesn't. That's not what changed Dustin's life. It's not what changed my life. It was true discipleship, a surrender to God, right? Disciplined following leads to freedom. And so I want us to jump over to John. Again, John's the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the last of the Gospels. John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And here in John chapter 8, verse 28, it says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. So Jesus is foretelling his death and his crucifixion. He says, when this happens, you'll know that I am he. Basically saying, you'll know that, that I am God. I am the savior, right? And it goes on, it says, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard them say these things believed in him. And so I wanna stop right there. That is the gospels presented, those who heard believe. That's important. Those who heard believe, right? And that's, that's, that's what we have the opportunity to do is to hear the message, right? And to believe. And as we believe, we encounter it. And this next part says, Jesus said to the people, who believed in him. I like that. It, was, it wasn't to everybody. This wasn't a message to just anybody. It those who heard and believed. And Jesus said to those who believed, those who heard and believed. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful. Say faithful. Faithful to my teaching. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. That's, that's a big call there, right? That if you're a disciple of Jesus, it's so much more than lip service, right? That you have to be faithful to his teaching. It's more than listening to gospel music. It's more than just showing up here, right? It's more than feeding the homeless or, or any of that. It's remaining faithful to his teaching, to his call, what he said. And then this next part, he says, and you will know the truth. You become faithful to his teaching, you'll know the truth. You, you I was subject to so many lies in my life. And those lies kept me in bondage. Those lies kept me under the foot of the enemy, right? And, and that's why for five years, I showed up to even this church here and I was stuck and I couldn't get free because I was just a Sunday morning Christian. I wasn't faithful to anything. I didn't hear anything. Therefore, I couldn't ever know the truth. But once I, I knew the truth, it set me free. It set me free and it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Say free. Free. free that, that when we're disciples, when we hear the message, right, and believe and remain faithful to his teaching, there, there's freedom in that. And, and that's what I love what we do here because there's so many things out there that will say, man, your, your situation is a result of you were a victim, all of these things, and this is who you are. That, that's bull crap. 
That, that's, that's worldly teaching. That, that's not God's word. And it, the cards we dealt are not just what they are. The, the cards we dealt are, I mean, if we take them from God and say, I want this, God's like, I want better for you too. But, but outside of these walls, sometimes we hear an alternative message and, and there's a battle inside that makes us wanna lean into it because it's so much easier than taking responsibility, right? So much easier than saying, oh, I'm gonna step up. I gotta do something. What? The ball's you know, on my court right now? And we've got we've to hear the message. We've got to believe. We've got to be faithful. And we'll know the truth. And the truth will set us free. And so we believe. We believe in discipleship, right? We want disciplined followers. We want people who lean in. God's called you. Remember, you're notorious sinner, but I've come to call. He's come to call you to be a disciple. He called. He called Levi from his tax collector's booth. To, to a purpose, to a mission, to be a disciple, to hear, to believe, and to follow. And that same call, it's to us right now. And so again, he says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Continues, continues in verse 33, and it says, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? And I love this right here, and I wanted to continue because there's so many of us that don't realize that we're in bondage to something. I, w- I went through so much of my life, and, and the things I was in bondage to were completely different. I, I really thought that, that it was addiction, but I mean, it, it was unforgiveness, that, that kept me in addiction, right? I was, I was a slave to something and I didn't even see it. And even then, they were slaves to something. They didn't see it and it continues. And it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of a family, but a son is part of the family of ever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Say truly free. Truly, truly free. That when we're called by Jesus, when we're called out of the middle of our mess, He invites us into his family. And if we hear, if we believe, if we follow, we're truly free. You no longer have to be stuck in cycle after cycle. You no longer have to be in captivity. You don't have to live that way anymore. Just lean in to what God has for you. Hear his voice, believe his message. Discipline yourselves to follow it. Discipline yourselves to follow it. There is nothing There's nothing like the freedom we can have in Jesus. There's nothing like the work that he can do in our hearts. And so point number two is this. We find encouragement in a healthy community. When when we hear the message, when we believe, when we become disciples, when when we show up here, we begin to find encouragement in a healthy community. That's the second thing that, that we endeavor to do here. That there's a lot of things you'll see that, that are different. If you've ever been to any other recovery ministry, you know it to be true. Like there's things we do intentionally. Like a bunch of weirdos, we get up here on the stage and take a picture together after service. And it's not, it's not just for marketing, right? It's not just for marketing. It's because, it's because this guy right here on the front, he said, man, this is my family. I'm gonna take a picture. You know, it started with just them and their friends. And then the circle grew and the circle grew and the circle grew until, man, people wanna get together and do it because we're, we're a community, we're a family. We wanna encourage each other. We belong together here. And so again, point number two, 
We find encouragement in a healthy community. I want us to jump over to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, um, as we look at this next point. And, and what I really want us to focus on is the importance, again, of being planted somewhere, right? I, and I hope you're planted here. I, I would love that. And, and that involves being here more than just Monday, being in a life group, showing up to our events, being here on a Sunday, um, doing life together. But if you're not gonna do it here, man, I just my prayer is you'll do it somewhere because you need it, we need it. But Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, and it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And so here the writer of Hebrews is, is just revealing just this work that God has done, right? This access that we've been given to God. And, and it continues, it says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our, God, or for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so that's what we're talking about. When we're disciples, right, that, that God does this work, that's the work of salvation that they're talking about here, right? That, that when we're called, we're called out of the middle of our mess, our story's changed, right? We don't have to be that way anymore. We don't have to, to live in our sin. We don't have to carry the burdens of the past that, that a work's been done because of all this. But, but he continues and he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. And so that's talking about being that, that hearing the message, believing the message, being disciplined to the message. And then it goes on, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I love that. Let us motivate one another to acts of love and good work. That there's a work that God does in us, right? The Holy Spirit moves in us. And, and, and that's beautiful. It's so significant. It's necessary and, and it's great. And, and I, I encounter people all the time who, who say this, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to be, I can do that at home and, and all of that. And, and there's truth in that, right? We don't save each other. But you're, you're like an orphan if that's what you do. If you're, if you're hit and miss here, you're not getting the fullness of what God has for you. If you don't have a church home, you're not getting the fullness of what God has for you. If you're not in community, in fellowship, you're missing out. And maybe, just maybe, that's why you continue to struggle. You need people to speak life into your marriage. You need people to speak life into your families, your raising kids. You need people to speak life into your, your recovery journey, right? Through sobriety or whatever it may be. We need people to encourage us to acts of love, right? To those good works. That, that's, that's what we hear. And so if we have a healthy community, we find encouragement. And I say that because sometimes we have an unhealthy community, right? You, you may be going to somebody about your spouse and they're saying, leave him. He's no good for you. They may, they may be no good for you, right? I mean, we don't need people to do that. We need the healthy people. And that's what we want to do here, right? We want to encourage them. That's what we want to do in, in our home, right? Uh, the, the live free, that, that's what it's about. It's about coming alongside people and, and encouraging them. Because here, here's what I know. God does a lot of 
work in me all the time because I'm so messed up. And sometimes he uses my beautiful wife to remind me that I'm not living the way I need to live, right? And she encourages me to something better. And sometimes it's my, my younger sister who will do that. Sometimes it's Pastor Rick. Sometimes it's some of you guys. And, and I know just uh, last week there was something I did where, where people encouraged me, like, that you shouldn't do that, right? And we need that. Because sometimes, sometimes I don't hear God's voice very well. And in those moments, I hear my wife's voice loud and clear, right? I hear some of your voices loud and clear. And we all need that. We, we, we need people that, that love us. We need people that come alongside and understand that we may not have it all together all the time. We may not do it perfectly, but they encourage us to, to be different, to pursue different. And so let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so we find encouragement in a healthy community. We come together, we, we find freedom and discipleship. We find encouragement in community. And as we do that, as we journey together, I believe that the God reveals something beautiful to us and it's our purpose. Right, that th through all of this, I, I think back at my life, and and this is not the path that I was on at all. It's not the path, and, and there's many of you that that you're here and you're doing things in life that you would have never have wound up here if those first two things hadn't taken place. Right, find Jesus and find people that love Jesus to surround you, and, and they revealed something great to us. And so that that's our our third point, and it's this: it's all about serving God's purpose. That, that everything we do here, everything we encounter, everything we're motivated to is God's purpose, God's plan, God's calling. All the things that I pursued on my own, insignificant, insignificant, unimpactful. The things that God calls me to, so much more. So, the calling of God is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And that's what it's about. It's about God's purpose. And so as we wrap up tonight, I want us to turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. Ephesians two, chapter one through three. And so Ephesians was written by the apostle Paul. It was written to the church of Ephesus. And so starting in verse one, it says this, once, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, say all of us. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And so when we look at that, that's what we're talking about, that bondage, right? Where we're notorious sinners, where, where we're disreputable, where we live that life. But that, that's where we all start out. All of us start there. And there's a great lie that, that we... Um, that we convince ourselves of, and it's that some of us are better than other people. And it's, it's incredibly, it's just not true. Because we're, we're all those notorious sinners. When we look back at, 
Mark and we look back at the people at Jesus's table, the thing that the Pharisees missed is that they belonged at that table just as much as the tax collector. They belonged at that table just as much as the prostitutes and everyone else because without Jesus, without the work of the spirit, we all are unclean, unrighteous, unholy, far from God and we all fall into this category but there's hope and so continuing it says, but, but God is so rich in mercy I love that. There's been so many moments in my life, so many places that, that I was gonna wind up or things that I was going through, but God, right? So many but God moments. I remember being homeless at the Claremore Motor Inn, but God showed up and he rescued me and I didn't even know it for years that he was moving, right? And in and, and, and the middle of addiction, I remember overdosing and I should be dead, but God showed up way before I realized that I had something greater, a greater calling on my life. And, and there was this moments where I didn't deserve a family and I thought I'd messed it up, but, but God showed up, right? And there's all these moves, all these things where, where God shows up and he changes our story. And, and even this, we were dead to our sin. We were dead in our trespasses. We were far from God, slaves to our flesh and to our desires. But God, but God's so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we couldn't earn it, God showed up and he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. It's hearing that message, believing that message, faithfully following that message, and you can't take credit for it, for it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And I love verse 10. I encourage you to lean into verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. The whole beginning of, of Ephesians there, that, that first part we read was talking about how we were dead in sin, slaves to our desire. And, and it seems like a message that's full of hopelessness and despair, and if you read it just by itself, it's depressing, but then, then the narrative changes, and God shows up, but God moved, right? But God del delivered Jesus on a cross so, so we could be set free, and then as it transitions to verse 10, and it goes from, you're, you're a notorious sinner, you're disreputable, you're, you're unsavable, you know, it goes from that, and it comes to, you're God's masterpiece. Why? Because Jesus right? That you're no longer that, that your story's changed, that, that the truth of the matter is we can go from notorious sinner to notoriously free, right? That, that we can go from disreputable sinner to, to, to child of God. God shows up and, and you're God's masterpiece. Every one of us that would call on his name, every one of us that would lean in to his message, that, that would hear, that would believe, that would follow, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. Created us anew. Taken. Taken who we were. Taken all of that and made it new. Different. Changed. Unrecognizable. That, that my life today, I know, is unrecognizable. 
and I can't take credit for it, right? It's a gift from God. There's not a single good thing in my life that I can say was me. But God, Jesus showed up. I'm God's masterpiece, created anew. Created anew in Christ Jesus. So, say so. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That, that all of it, all of it can seem so selfish and self-centered, right? When we look at it, it's, it's, it's all for me. The truth of the matter is it's all for him. That, that everything he's done in me, I didn't deserve it. It was a gift. He set me free. He saved me for his purpose, to, to serve his purpose. And I tell you what, you may be sitting here and you're like, that sounds awful. That sounds like slavery. That's freedom. It's freedom that, that I no longer have to be subject to the world, that, that it's only in that moment, in that surrender, that recognition of God's purpose that I'm truly free, that I'm truly delivered from bondage, that, that I'm truly away from my past. So God created us anew. We're God's masterpiece so we could do the good work, the good work, the good things that he planned for us long ago. And so we wanna see, we wanna see everyone who walks through these doors awaken to their purpose, pursuing it wholeheartedly, experiencing freedom, surrendered to Jesus and making an impact in our church, in our community, in your family, so we can do the good work that he called for us long ago. To recap tonight, point number one is this, true disciples, or true discipleship leads to freedom. When you believe, when you hear, when you follow, there's freedom, there's freedom in, in God's, God's message and what he's done, and, and we don't have to wait for that, it's now. It's now in this moment, in this life. Number two, we find encouragement in a healthy community. I hope that when you show up here, no matter what you've been going through, no matter what you've experienced, I hope that you find love and encouragement here because that, that's the heart of Jesus. And if you're not finding that, it's not because God's bad or God's missed it, it's because we have. But we should find encouragement in a healthy community. And number three, it's all, it's all about serving God's purpose. It's all about serving God's plan. It's all about pursuing him. And, it, and it's in that surrender, in that submission, that, that we can go again from notorious sinner to notoriously free, that, that we can begin to live a life of freedom, the life that God's called each of us to. And so tonight, everything we talked about, everything that we do here, it's centered around Jesus. If you didn't pick up on all the hints throughout tonight, maybe it's your first time and you're like, man, I thought I was showing up to, to someplace else. Is this not an NA meeting? No, it's not. Um, but we're here to get you saved. That's what I want to do. And so, man, I hope that through the night, as you've been sitting here, man, I hope that there's something that's been going on inside of you because our goal Again, it's, it's all about God's purpose and God's purpose is to set you free. And you're only free through relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and you've been struggling, maybe in depression and sin and anger, despair or whatever it is, whatever it is, there's freedom to be found 
in a relationship with Jesus. And so that's the greatest decision you can make. It's the most impactful decision you can make. And it's, it's a decision we want to call you to tonight. So if you're in here and you've never done that, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, when we end service, we're going to have some, some people up front that would love to pray with you and for you to lead you into that relationship with God to lead you to that place of surrender, to lead you to that place of freedom. And so again, if that's you here in just a moment, we're gonna encourage you to step out of your seats and come down front. Maybe you're in here and, and that was you way back when or maybe last month and something got a hold of you, you got off track and, and you took your freedom and you gave it up and, and you surrendered that and you're back in bondage and, and you wanna know, man, can I, can I come back home? I, I want what I had. Absolutely. And so if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit, the same offer is extended to you here in just a moment. We're gonna have some people down front and they would love to pray with you and for you so that you can come back home so you can rededicate. And then maybe you're in here and God's just been dealing with your heart, with your mind, just kind of dinging you with something and, and you realize that, that it's getting in the way or, or you're realizing that God set you free from that and you choose to pick it back up and, and you're just ready to give it up, to, to lay it at the cross. Well, I would encourage you to come down and pick up one of our white chips. There's nothing special about it. It's, it's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we act out of faith, when we step out, knowing that God's gonna move in that moment. And I believe with all my heart that, that, that if you were to do that and to mean it and know it, like to hear the message, to believe the message and to faithfully pursue it, then your life can be changed. And so I encourage you to that. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're in here and, and you just want somebody to journey with you, to pray over you. We wanna do that. We wanna journey with you. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we wanna encourage you to come down front tonight. If everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.